0: Dear Father in heaven, we are so thankful that it doesn't depend upon us, that it is not the arm of the flesh, it's not what each one of us can bring to the table, dear Father, but it is thee, it's as we wait upon thee, that thou wilt bear us up on eagles' wings. As we rely upon the power of thy spirit, we can be filled to overflowing, joy unspeakable. Dear Father, we're so thankful for this, and we're so thankful that this is available even this afternoon hour, when maybe we are a little tired, maybe full from lunch, maybe might be tempted to be distracted. Dear Father, we know it is. It can be another rich meal from thy word as we depend upon thy spirit. We can be renewed. We can be encouraged for what lies ahead. Dear Father, feed us. We're gathered around thy table. We pray for Uh, those that couldn't be here, and we pray for those that maybe made a decision not to be here, uh, that don't think it important to to gather for a second uh, time today. Dear Father, convict their hearts, draw them, help them to see the importance of, of doing this, of listening to thy word, of considering it, that man is more than flesh and blood and even mental capacity or whatever. We are made living spirits, dear Father especially through Jesus those of us that know thee and the inner man needs to be nourished he needs to be renewed day by day we ask that thou wouldst uh, provide for all these things in Jesus name amen i'd like to uh, continue second corinthians now at chapter 8 in second corinthians I was considering maybe to meditate further upon chapter 7 and um, repentance. As a, that is a um, very common, uh, a theme that's often preached upon. And particularly, I, I just um, before we're going to, Lord willing, meditate on chapter 8, I'd recommend, uh, if, if you um, are so inclined, to go back into our um, online available uh, sermons recordings and brother bob varga i don't know if you remember during the pandemic he had an excellent sermon on on this chapter chapter seven you can search his name and it'll come up it was around may 2020 um, and he really took the time to look through each of these these words in in verse 11. so i encourage you to do that when you get a chance listen to his sermon on uh, godly repentance but with the lord's help i'd like to meditate on chapter eight of second corinthians Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as he abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, For this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye burdened but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, But being more forward, of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us, with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Avoiding this that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you. Our brethren, be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. I've read all of chapter 8. May God bless the reading of His word. Maybe if you're not too familiar with this chapter, it may be a little bit um, confusing some of the things he's speaking of but let me say it's it's fairly straightforward once you think about it and piece it together it's about giving about very specific um giving apostle paul is exhorting the corinthians church to um to contribute to something that they had started to do or expressed a desire to do a year ago and that is if you've flip back um, kind of in conjunction with this the first epistle of Corinthians he finishes the the end of the epistle chapter 16 of 1st Corinthians the first four verses he says now concerning the collection for the Saints as I have given order to the churches of Galatia even so do ye upon the first day of the week let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. So, context here is collection for the saints at Jerusalem in Judea. If you read some of Acts, if you read Romans 15, there's another passage there. There was apparently a famine, and the the secular records, the historical records... Some of the different uh, historical writers record at that time in Palestine there was uh, a dearth, maybe around AD 45, 46, and Apostle Paul uh, is going, encouraging a collection in the Gentile churches around about that he's going to then take with him to Jerusalem. And this was not the first time, this had happened a number of times. You can read in Acts 11, um, Paul and Barnabas were charged to do that, to take a collection from Antioch to the saints at Jerusalem. So, that's the context, the immediate context. Why is this relevant to us? You know, I don't know how many of you read our statement of faith often. Let me read point 15. It's maybe not something we think about as often as we should. Point 15 from our statement of faith. We believe that the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ is an invitation for everyone to live a life of abandonment to him who loved us and gave himself for us, surrendering his personal ambitions and possessions in an unreserved committal to take the proclamation of the gospel throughout all the world to every creature. Brothers and sisters, when we committed ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, This is what we signed up for. Everything belongs to him. An unreserved committal to the gospel, to the work of the gospel in whatever form it takes. There is no, uh, I hope you got the sense in that, that there's no division. There's no part that says this part is my part and this part is the Lord's part. As long as I give my 10% according to the Old Testament model, it's good, I've done. An unreserved committal. And Paul, maybe because, as we know, this whole, this theme of, of, of 2 Corinthians is this uh, trouble in Corinth with rejecting Paul. Maybe part of that rejection is that they were now hesitant to commit their collection, their funds to him. Maybe there was this question about, well, is Paul, is he the right person to take this? Or should we even give and Paul has to hold up an example of these other churches in Macedonia to provoke the Corinthians again to love and to good works, to, 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 to give an example to them, to say, to hold up an example. These other churches in Macedonia that were Philippi and, and Thessalonica and Berea and that were comparatively much poorer off. Than the church at Corinth, I would venture to say. Remember, Corinth is a, was a commercial center; it was, uh, it was a, a trade point, this isthmus where you had the uh, ships that would pass across on both sides. It was a bustling, very wealthy city. I would venture to say that those in the church, there was a proportion of more that were wealthy there too. Versus Macedonia, the historical record also says that this this area was a uh, an area that had been ravaged by wars. The Romans had had campaigns there and it was financially speaking certainly not as well off as, as Corinth and yet Paul holds up these Macedonians as an example exhorts them verse 2 how that in a great trial of affliction so not, they were facing persecution the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality so why do we need good examples I think it's, it's, on the one hand, we don't want to compare ourselves with other people. We don't want to have a, a measuring stick where they are the measuring stick, and we look at it and say, well, as long as I'm doing as much as them, then I'm okay. That's, that's not wise. That's foolish. But there is this other part of provoking unto love and to good works that's, that comes from a good example. When you see some people that are on fire for the Lord, that have done something, that are doing something, it really should provoke a response in you. You know, we should not never get to a point where we think we have it all together. You know, we're doing everything the right way and, and we don't have anything to, to learn or to see from someone else. And I think we could learn a lot from this example of the way God wants us to give, how he wants us to do this, how he wants us to, to provoke each other. So he holds up this example first of the Macedonians. That verse 3, for to their power... So according to their means, you know, whatever. remember the, the, the widow and the, and the two mites that were cast into the treasury. According to the means, and Christ said she gave more than the, 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 the rich, the, the ones that cast in a whole lot more than her. So according to her means, what she was able to give, first of all, that's what God cares about. That's what he's, uh, um, he says, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power and even beyond our means in the sense of, Giving in God's economy is a sacrificial giving. There should be an element of giving up not, you know, Our giving should not be predicated on, let's outline how much I'm going to be what I like with a comfortable life. You know, this, is, this is how much I think I need to, 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 to um, live comfortably, and then I'm going to... It shouldn't be based on that. It should be from the motivation of God, from his spirit, as he prompts us. And if that means there's going to be some sacrifice and, some, um, and extending beyond ourselves, that also is godly giving. Paul clarifies in the, in the other part of this passage, it's, it's not, you know, the common saying, you've got to give till it hurts. Paul's not telling them here, well, we, I want you to give till it hurts so that the other people can have it easy. No, he's talking about equality, is that we should, the, the, the basis level here is need. Is there a need? I have some, yes, I can give. That should be the basis of giving, not I'm, make, a, make a big show of it, and, and, um, and I'm going to do so much so that I'm in financial straits myself and, and can't meet my obligations that I've committed to. That's not godly giving. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. This is the other part of godly giving, is that it is free will. It has to be free will, not constrained. I am, you know, we don't often preach on this topic, and um, when I look at some other examples where it's very financially focused, you know, but our collections are down and you should feel guilty, I'm glad we don't do that. But we should clearly understand that the, that giving to the Lord needs to be free will. It needs to be not something, a matter of, of you guilted into it or, or even in a moment of... of, of um, Oh, other people are, and so I might, I, I, I'm going to go along with them and, and, and kind of get caught up in the moment. But as the Lord prompts you, as you're moved by his spirit, as you consider these things, that this is a good cause, this is a need, there is a great need here, I will give. And I won't stint, and I won't think about my comfort as I'm giving. I'm going to give based on the need of others and not my comfort. That's the example he holds up in, in the Church of Macedonia. But number one, The reason he holds up the Macedonians as an example is it is really God's grace that is shown in this. Moreover, brethren, he begins, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, we want you to know of, the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. And this grace is that they are giving freely. Do you understand that? Do you see that? Paul's holding up the Macedonians as an example of, Yes, of of godly giving and of giving in a way that that God wants us to give, but as an example of God's grace. That's the question I think we really want to consider and and think about this afternoon hour. Not so much how do I give and why do I give, but how much do I want to experience God and his grace? How much do I want to experience his grace working through me? That's really what godly giving is about. It really is about experiencing God in a deeper way. And I got to think to myself. Um, too often, my giving—giving giving to the church or to the, the various needs uh, that we identify—is a matter of um, just doing something that's scheduled. It's good that it's regular. That's the pattern in Scripture. First Corinthians sixteen. You read that. That's good that it's scheduled. It's good. It's regular. It's good that our children learn that too. But. Does it just become a schedule, okay, it's another thing I do, and there's no spiritual component in this. There's no act of prayer of experiencing God's grace. Is it arm's length in the sense of, I just, I sign my check, I put it in the box, and that's it. That's the end of it for me. Or is there, is there thought and prayer in there? I think that one of the main reasons Paul was, he spends two chapters in this epistle on this topic, so it's important. And he spends a good portion in other epistles on this topic, and, and this particular, the collection for the saints at Jerusalem, is because there was a spiritual work in this giving that he really wanted them to, to flourish. There was an opportunity and a potential for a binding of the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers closer together through this, offer, this meeting of the needs of those that were in Judea. He saw the spiritual dimension of this giving. How often do I not see that? How often do I just think and and I don't um, I don't want to cast dispersions I, I don't want to um, uh, denigrate I think it's a wise choice a wise decision but but to, to to compartmentalize between this is humanitarian giving and this is spiritual in some sense it should all be spiritual all of this as an act of God in us, as an experience of the grace of God, we should be doing this spiritually. We should be giving spiritually. And that's the example he holds up. And that's with the Macedonians, look at that. First, um, he says, verse five here. And this they did. This is the focus of the Macedonians. And this they did, not as we hoped. He means not as we kind of expected, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. And then, you know, as a first priority God in this giving, and then unto us by the will of God. Then they trusted Paul with those funds that had been collected. And that's the focus that the Macedonians had, the, that this is an act that we are doing to the Lord. All godly giving is a giving unto God, is an is a, is a, a offering unto him. And then after holding up the example of the Macedonians, then Paul kind of gets into the specifics to remind the Corinthians, yeah, you, you, you said a year ago that you were, you were minded to do this, you were forward to do this. Um, you know, I speak not by commandment, by the occasion of the forwardness of others. The Macedonians have collected some funds now, and Titus is coming to your church to collect also. Um, you, know, you were forward to do this a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. And this this kind of underlines a a good truth, a straightforward truth, that we can have a lot of good intentions about doing something, and we can think, oh, I, I, yeah, that's a good cause, and I should. And but if it just stays as intentions, it's not really God honoring. There has to be a performing. There has to be a doing of it. You see, we, we can we can deceive ourselves and forward, uh, fool ourselves into thinking. Well, I have these good intentions, and the Lord sees my heart, and that's enough. But that is a little bit of a deceptions if it stays there, because the need is still not met. God is still not honored through the act of giving, through the giving of, of myself, of what he's given to me, to, to, to give that to others in need. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of, what, of that which ye have. But the, the beautiful thing, the flip side of this, is that the metric, the measurement, what God looks at is not just the performance. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. God does not look at the dollar amount. That's what Jesus highlighted about the, the, the widow casting in her mites, her two mites. Think about that, right? She could have cast in just one, said "Oh, I'll keep the other one for myself. She cast in two. It's not according to the dollar amount that really matters. And I had to, to think about this, too. When our children are involved in the giving of gifts for their siblings, they want to contribute, too. And it's really not the dollar amount. Daddy may end up paying 90% of the price of it, but it's the fact that they contributed, too, of their own collection that it makes it their gift. And so often that's the case with us too, that God gives the 90%. We put in our little bits, our little bits, and God multiplies, and that's God honoring. That's how he designed it, that, that we would honor him in that giving. And then 13, 14, 15 here he says, he wants to give the context here. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. You know, I, I'm not trying to wring some cash out of you because I want to, 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 to uh, toady or, 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 or um, ingratiate myself with the, 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 the Judean believers. No, there's real need there, right? But an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply of their want and then maybe in the future... If, if the tables turn, that their abundance also may be a supply of your want, that there may be equality. And we're not talking socialism here. We're not talking about um, a mandating of, of, of communal, uh, of, of having all things in common. We're talking about an equality of need. If there's a need, let's make sure that our brother and our sister, their need is met, that we are aware of it, that we know of it. We had an interesting experience when we were in Florida. Um, we, Got to a place where we'd never been before. I'd never been there. All the times I'd been back was some island, the largest island off the Gulf Coast. And we looked in, on the map there, and oh, there's some mango groves there. Wasn't the season for mangoes. We went and we drove there and came across a a commune, a Christian commune. Very interesting. The few people that we met there, very sincere. But their take on things, their belief is that. In order to fulfill the new testament we have to live we have to have all goods in common shared together and as i thought about that and further on i to me it's clear that the new testament that's not one of the it definitely it was what the church the first church at jerusalem what they had and and the moving of the spirit was a testimony of, of god's of the unity and the oneness but when you think about later on, these churches here in Corinth, in Macedonia, uh, in, in other places, they, they did not practice common living because they had slaves in their midst. How, how could you have that practically as an outworking? And what would then the necessity be of a collection of, a, of, of uh, the first day of the week? But that visit did make me think that we do need to have more of a sense of communal living, of really having a care and a concern for each other in the sense that we do have a common, we do share so much. And the physical things, there should be more of a, of a, of a distribution among us as needed. I think, I, I don't know, I, and I hope as the Lord, you know, as he brings things to pass in these end days, maybe there will be a proving that way, in the sense of in the, in some, at some future date, things will get so difficult and so challenging that we will have to, live together we'll have to support each other physically because of the way the world is changing i don't know but i pray that w- if and when that happens the lord would lead that and would through that show us um that his spirit is working among us and then he quotes here first 15 as it is written he that hath gathered much hath nothing over and he that hath gathered little hath no lack and what he's quoting here is from exodus the gathering of the manna that, that they were supposed to gather, he, they prescribed an omer uh, probably about two liters per person per day to gather and you weren't supposed to gather more than that or less than that. And, um, you, and some people did. And what happened? When you gathered more than, than that amount, it rotted. It stank. It didn't last. Except on the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath when they collected twice as much and it kept. Miraculous, right? God's provision. This quote here, when we try to gather more than we need, think about that, brother and sister. When we try to gather more than we need of the physical things, to lay in store, by, I'm going to have some extra against the day. It rots. It rots spiritually. It doesn't produce the fruit. It doesn't produce the thing that what honors God. Give it away. If I have more than I need, I speak this first to myself. I have much more than my need. There, there is money sitting in the bank account that... Is it being used for God's kingdom? Are is, is, is our, our needs being met? <laughs> yes. Maybe the Lord needs to move me to, just like he convicted Paul to write to the Corinthians, needs to move them. Okay, there was a, a willingness when I gave myself to the Lord. I, I, I was forward to say, Lord, wherever you take me, whatever you, you, uh, however you lead me, I will follow. Am I willing to do that financially with what he's given me? In the latter half of this chapter, 16 to 24 there, is just the details of how this is going to be. He identifies Titus, that Titus is coming for this collection. He identifies two other brothers, doesn't name them, but he says they're so well known. I don't even need to name them. It was clear to whoever, the, the, to who he's writing, to the Corinthians, that who these brothers were. Yeah, didn't identify them by name take-home point from this is verse 21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Paul was so careful in this collection to make it abundantly clear how this money was being collected, who was taking it, who was going to receive it. 100% above board. And it wasn't enough for him to say, I know that my intentions are good and um, I, I'm spiritual and, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. He had to do it in the sight of others. And when it comes to financial things, collections in the church, this is the same standard. We have to provide things honest in the sight of all men. It has to be clear. It has to be open. Even if it's a little bit more laborious. Why do we need three people coming along instead of just one? Why do I need to devote you know, the, the latter half of this, cha- of this chapter to these all these details of how this collection is going to be collected? All the Trivial stuff. Honest. Honest in the sight of all men because Satan has his work. Money is the root of all evil. Wherever there's money involved, there is a temptation for that corrupting influence, for that maybe taking a little, maybe divert something. Well, no, it has to be provided. Honest in the sight of men. May the Lord uh, convict us. Uh, there's a whole other chapter on this topic, and, and Lord willing, we'll, we'll get into it. It's an important topic, something we need to each examine for ourselves. Am I giving as the Lord directs? Uh, of, of what I have, according to my power, uh, beyond my power, with free will, focused on God? Or am I asleep? Am I, am I sitting on the goods and I'm going to let them rot? May God convict us and help us to do not only the, the willingness, but the performance of it. I'm so thankful for that hymn that we just sang, as it reminded me, please forgive me, that we passed over lightly, maybe one of the most critical verse in this passage. That's verse 9. For ye you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Though he was rich, the only way we can understand this is that he is the Son of God, was the Son of God from all eternity past, had glory indescribable with his Father in heaven, and laid that aside. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, took on human flesh, became the son of man, as we heard this morning, that ye through his poverty being made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, might become rich, that ye through his poverty might become rich. And this is really where godly giving starts. My friend outside of Christ, you may do charitable things, good things, commendable things, maybe even better than you look at other Christians, but if it is not done through the riches of Christ Jesus, because of what he has done for you, it's 1 Corinthians 13, though I give my body to be burned, profits me nothing. But my brother and sister, we've been given so much. We have been given so many riches in Christ Jesus. He that has given us all things that, that, that so richly, 206, that we just sang. It is from that abundance that we can just say these material things, as the Lord directs me, I'm going to reach out my hand, open it to other people that need. And that's where this all flows from. That verse 9, the example of Jesus Christ who gave us so much. Commend you all to his care and keeping this coming week. With that, we'll conclude this service.